0: Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Once again, the studios are in my basement as it allows me time to completely detach and answer your questions. Uh, I love having Gangster Pete in the studios, um, but the studios are filled up. And for timing purposes, I wanted to make sure I get the questions from the audience on the proper uh, schedule. And so we're doing it from the basement. It really doesn't change anything unless it does sound a little different. I wanted to explain it to you. Ryan Kelly, the expertcom Studios sponsor, along with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train, Seth Goldcamp and his family, and then Johnny Londoff Chevrolet Highway 270, and the Washington Elizabeth exit. You enjoy the podcast, support the sponsors. That's the game. Um, and this week, uh, our guest is Bobby Plager, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Craig Baruby. last week. We have Young Page Views in. Uh, Cam Jansen comes in for part of that as well. We got all kinds of stuff. Questions from the audience is every uh, Wednesday. The guests are every uh, Monday. And uh, one of the questions I see on the TMA fan page is whether or not we're going to be doing pick six. You better believe it. I'm essentially the weatherman's message boy, but uh, nobody really cares where it's coming from if the picks win. So when the football season starts up in a couple of months, less than that, I suppose, uh, we will be back to pick six and the weatherman's absurd run in 2018-19. Can he carry it over to 2019-2020? Mathematically, one would tell you that's highly unlikely, but who knows? Uh, It's not like this guy was just firing darts. He has his reasons. Plenty of those games were random, And, uh, and so he digs in and I'm anxious to see if he can continue that run, uh, here for 2019 and 2020 when we start that up in about seven weeks, I would imagine questions from the audience is the podcast in which I essentially just sit and babble, um, candidly as always, I'm shocked that people listen to it, but I'm flattered that people do. I'm thrilled when I see emails pop up and they're uh, titled QFTA because that means people are listening and people have questions. And we just kind of wander together. I don't know if I've ever even re- received hate mail on questions from the audience, which is kind of surprising for me. It's not necessarily that I'm asking for it. It just seems like we can get into some things that would lead to hate mail. But I suppose if you're seeking it out, uh, you know what to get. At the same time, I don't even really know what the hell I am. So in 2019... Where somebody's like, oh, well, he's a liberal or she's a liberal or he's a conservative or she's a conservative. I don't really know what I am. Um, So it's just kind of you ask a question and if it does fall under the umbrella of politics and not even really politics so much as it oftentimes seems to be more media related or ethics related or specific candidate related, um, I guess it's tough to to gauge where the answer will fall on that left or right spectrum. In other words, sometimes I guess I'm on the left and sometimes I guess I'm on the right, but I'm not forming my opinion based on whether or not it follows the left's agenda or the right's agenda. It's just what I happen to think. So maybe that's why uh, people are listening to it. I really don't know. I'm glad you are. So anytime you have a question, and as I always say, uh, it can be as, as random, as grotesque, as vile, as whatever you want it to be. You can email it to me at teamercurrentedinsidestl.com, and then we have our weekly thread on the TMA fan page where you can ask your questions as well. Uh, and, uh, and as I was making reference to, one of the questions was whether or not there would be a Pick 6 podcast this year, and uh, the answer is absolutely. So I know I have a bunch in the email. Some are from a little while back. Uh, like this one. And I guess I didn't get to it. I don't have Gangster Pete here as my net. But I remember reading it, but I don't think I did it on the air because we wound up going long on a couple of other ones. But um, I like the question, and, uh, and I wanted to make sure I read it. It was sent to me way back on June 15th. I have never called in or emailed your show, but I'm a longtime fan. What you have built is truly amazing. I have a friend in Hawaii who listens to you guys. Your coverage of the blues interviews has been great. Iggy and Plowsy were there for you. That's the true definition of ride or die. As much shit as anyone gives them, we all do truly love them. I do have a few questions, if you don't mind answering them for a QFTA, if you have time. Uh, If you had a chance and could call any sports historical moment on radio or TV, what would it be? Wow, now I remember why I set this one aside. God, I don't know. To me, Nationally impactful. I feel like it's, it's 1980 U.S.-Soviet Union. And I don't remember that. I mean, I, I guess I was three when that happened. Um, I And Al Michaels' call is, is famous. You can't, like, pass it. Kind of going maybe outside the box on it, if I'm not mistaken... The 1972 Olympics, and I I realize what the 1972 Olympics um, became known for was the tragedy in Munich, Um, and I'm not looking to replace Jim McKay, um, but from a sports perspective, what transpired in the 1972 Olympic gold medal basketball game uh, to be able to call attention to that in the moment um, stands out to me I, the to, to get, and i'm sure some of you are like what the hell are you talking about i have no idea uh the us team in a really just i still don't really know what happened on it um but the the us team uh, beat the soviet or excuse me was won its first eight games and then lost to The Soviet Union, Uh, this of course is in the midst of the Cold War, and um, I'm I'm going straight Wikipedia here so everybody knows, Uh, but it it wound up having a controversial ending um, with the U.S. leading, uh, the Soviet Union got multiple chances to, to, (laughs) like, when I say multiple, I literally mean three chances to run a same play because the first two were called back at it, it, a buzzer beater, and then on the third one, they did score and they won the gold medal. I'm not going to revisit the entire thing here. A lot of this is being done from memory and then the, uh, the mastery that is Wikipedia. But in the moment, um, it, it was controversial, and here we are approaching 50 years since, and uh, the players have never accepted their gold medals. So it's just something that it, it, it's so strange to me um that i would uh I would love to be in the midst of something like that that's that significant that was so brutal um I don't know that that that's what stands out that's what stands out to me because I'm looking for impactful from a local standpoint I don't know. Well, now you can go back to the 85 World Series, I suppose, in Game 6, as far as an impactful and negative with a controversial call, but there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Al Michaels was on that one too with Tim McCarver, I think. Uh, and they were calling out that miss right away. Um, the best, though, is, is just what happened with David Freeze in the ninth and the, ele- uh, the 11th inning of Game 6 of the 2011 World Series from a pure euphoric standpoint. Um, I'm talking about you think you're about to lose and then you wind up winning and then 24 hours later winning the World Series. So that's where I'm going to go. I essentially four plays on, on that question. Um, your dream interviewer bullshit session podcast. <sighs> See, what I need to do with these is I need to just have something and then move on because it's not like there's a right answer. But you ask the question and then I go in the tank. What I, really, what I really need to do is read them in advance and then have them ready. But you hear the thought process play out, which I know is fascinating, especially considering I'm sitting in my basement by myself. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've said before, like from a realistic standpoint, Quinn Snyder. But with the, with the understanding that we really do have a conversation, we don't dodge topics. And I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, at this point in his career with what he's been able to do and resuscitate it, he has zero upside to reliving what took place in Columbia, Missouri from, what, 99 through 2005, 2006. So I don't know how likely that is. Um, You know, a president, you know, if we're going living or dead. uh, But, I mean, in the scope of what is realistic but highly unlikely, God. I mean, again, realistic, like one that I think could happen would be Quinn Snyder. Um, one that is incredibly unlikely, but who knows, maybe someday. I don't know. You know, you, you, you immediately go to presidents. I, you know, and, and so you have, it's like, I can't imagine, by the way, as I'm saying this, and I know this is a the theme of a couple of the questions that, that came in today, um, so they're fresh in my mind. Are there people out there? I'm asking. This is rhetorical because again, I'm in my basement by myself. But are there people out there who would consider them big themselves, big fans of Donald Trumps and big fans of Barack Obamas? Do those people exist now? From a sheer size of of voters. Uh, I know that a number of people who voted for Barack Obama wound up voting for Donald Trump in 2016, but I'm talking about now in 2019. Could you have someone who goes, "Oh, Barack Obama, love him. Oh, Donald Trump, love him." Honestly, I really like like in a like in a conversation. I'm not talking about necessarily somebody doing it on their you know, attempt to become national radio show and just saying weird shit to get attention. I'm talking about somebody in a conversation uh, saying that. So the reason why I ask that rhetorical question to no one in particular here, since I'm sitting and looking at my refrigerator, is if I say Donald Trump and I go, ah, I don't really want to do that because I know where that would go, honestly, as I sit there and I think about Barack Obama it's it's it kind of falls in the same category of Quinn Snyder different in the sense that i i i think he would say a lot but i don't think he would say a lot in other words he would say a lot of things but i don't know what real meat there would be on it and then Donald Trump i just that you know i mean we're all over the map there and that's that that isn't anything you know, speaking of which, because this, of course, questions from the audience is essentially just ADD theater and one digression after another, but uh, earlier today, after TMA, I usually work out, um, and most of the time I listen to music, but today I listen to Mark Marin's podcast with David Lee Roth, and you want to talk about all over the map. I, I still don't know what I listen to, um, and... And, and, and I, it was an hour and 30 podcast. I, I got it in an hour and I go, okay, I got it. I got it. I got to tap out. I don't know what the hell was going on. Um, and so that, 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 that isn't fun. I didn't find it really amusing. Like it was random. I didn't find it really amusing. So, as an interview, I like when I'm engaged and I like when the person I'm interviewing is engaged and we're going into places we probably didn't think we were going to go, and we're speaking honestly. I think we've had that happen a number of times on this podcast where the guest didn't expect to get into stuff and kind of catches himself or herself and goes, okay, fuck it, I'm going to say it. Those are the ones I like. And so in that sense, it kind of doesn't matter who the person is. Um, I like a conversation. I don't like canned answers. I don't really feel like we've had too many of those on this. Um, I'm sure we have in, in some capacity, but, um, you know, like, like the Matheny interview that we did in January of 18 was, is still one of my favorites. Um, because I was like, you know, I went into it, not knowing where he was going to go, knowing what I wanted to do and not sure if he would. And it was like, he came there with the goal of going, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say what I think and and be, candid and if people don't like it, they don't like it. And I love that. Um, so whoever that is, that's, that's honestly, that's the stuff that gets me going. And I, and I don't, as I always say, I don't have a list of questions. The questions come from the person I'm interviewing's previous answer, just like a conversation. So, you know, I mean, like, you know, obviously if I were to interview Donald Trump or Barack Obama, it would be quote, good for the podcast. I, people say that stuff, and then it's like, okay, but then how does it actually turn into money? Um, I don't really have an answer. I mean, I guess if we said, all right, an exclusive with Donald Trump, we could probably sell the hell out of the advertising on an exclusive with Barack Obama. But again, speaking from what's realistic at this particular moment, and I don't even know how realistic it is, Quinn Snyder, um, which I don't really feel like is a great answer, because I know when you're talking about Missouri athletics in St. Louis, you're not necessarily reaching people like when you're talking about the Blues or the Cardinals. But I feel like there's a lot there. But anytime I say that, I feel like there's a lot there. That's what I mean. Like the Dexter Fowler interview. I felt like there was a lot there. Uh, and that was a good one in the sense that I didn't know where we were going to go. And we wound up getting some good stuff on that one at spring training. So that gives you an idea of what I like. Not it's not it's So it's not necessarily the person so much as it is. Um, does the person get comfortable and say things that I know that the audience has been wondering themselves? So that that that's more dream interview to me than, than than actually the person. Next question, same email from Jeff. If you had a chance for a question, what would you ask Stan Kroenke? No holds, no holds barred. Uh God, I mean it's it's horrible question I mean, but my, my my first reaction is, what happened? because I know. And I can say I know. Uh, I can't say I know from Stan Kroenke himself or even from Kevin Demoff himself. But I know that the feeling there, and by there I mean Los Angeles and with the people associated with the Rams, is the real story of what happened in St. Louis has never been told the St. Louisans. Um, And now that might just be convenient. I, I asked Jay Nixon about that essentially when he was a guest. Um, And to paraphrase the question, uh, it was something along the lines of there are some people who believe the supposed effort to build a riverfront stadium and keep the Rams was essentially to save face for politicians who were in office. Obviously, he would be one of those people, um, in addition to mayors, county executives, senators, representatives, and so on and so forth, um, because I can tell you that the Rams were like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing unless they are going to get the Raiders or maybe the Chargers, but no idea what they're doing. So what happened, and by what happened I mean in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, because it was the Jeff Fisher press conference in January 2012 when the next morning on the morning after, Doug Vaughn and I both said we played a soundbite from Stan Kroenke at the beginning of the show, had nothing to do with Jeff Fisher, and it was the last time Stan Kroenke spoke in St. Louis publicly. And I said to Doug, I said, Doug, what do you take from that? He goes, well, the Rams are moving. And that's four years before the vote. So we were on that. I'll always be proud of that. That, that No matter what shows over today, we were on that. Well, I felt like many weren't in the market. Um, and, it, and I don't know if I'll cover a bigger uh, St. Louis sports story in my career, than the Rams moving as far as impact goes and as far as what was going on behind the scenes um, so I'm always proud of that and proud of the people I worked with on that because we weren't doing the, the thing where we were telling everybody everything's gonna be okay and let's break down this shitty game between the two and ten Rams and the three and nine 49ers and act like everything's cool um, you know so that's 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 they believe, so they say that St. Louis was not you know St. Louis was going you have nowhere to move so we're not going to do what our contract says we have to do and then the Rams called their bluff and then that's how it got ugly and then at that point once they had something in LA they're like well screw this it doesn't matter what St. Louis puts on the table we're gone that's how they portray it i suppose one thing and i did ask Kevin Demoff this uh it was a it was a phone conversation um but i said you know, the feeling is is that when Stan exercised his right of first refusal on Shad Khan, that he knew he was moving the team to L.A. And he goes, that's just not true. He goes, now you, now I realize people wouldn't believe that. Now, th- this is me and Demoff talking. We haven't spoken on the phone since the vote. Um, but uh, he said, I, I realize people won't believe it. He goes, but our thought process was we want to, with the Sam Bradford pick, do what Indianapolis did with Peyton Manning, have it go from a a mess, which is what the Colts were before Manning, to a, a staple franchise quarterback reigniting interest, building an entertainment district with a new stadium in downtown St. Louis. And we knew that the lease allowed us the leverage for that. And then if St. Louis did not participate in it, that we would have the out to move if we wanted to. That's what he says. Now people, of course, roll their eyes um and they're probably never going to tell I don't know maybe they will you know what now this is again the great digression you know what my interview is my interview is Stan or Kevin Demoff actually Quinn Snyder can be number three um and I think that you know Iggy has reached out to Demoff without even me asking him to do so just because I'm like yeah he's not going to talk but uh that would be one. And I kind of think it's possible. Listen, I'm not saying I consider it likely. There's a difference between the two. But I actually do think it's possible. I I know most of you are going, there's no way. And I'm not sitting here going, yeah, it's 50-50. I'm not even saying it's 10%. But I think it's possible. Um, and I think it has to come when all the litigation is complete. So I would... I don't know. I, 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 let me tell you this. Same thing as what I thought years ago. Stan's not talking. If he really wants to move, he's playing it smart. Drove us up the wall, but he's not talking. But then why in the hell does he have Demoff out there talking? What is the point? All he's doing is compromising their position by saying things that are now used against them years later in court proceeding. I have no idea. I don't know what that was about. I guess the... the, the You'd say it's because they're just trying to maximize the revenues for tickets and merch while they were here, but God, I mean, really? Like, you're doubling your franchise's value? You're you're talking about building multiple billions of dollars worth of stadium, and, and it's like, okay, let's see if we can, I mean, maybe that's possible. I've always said some of the most wealthy people I know are also some of the most frugal, but I have no idea. I can't think to me that was strategically had one guy w- running one offense and one guy running another one and it made no sense to me. And, and I always thought, okay, these guys are playing at this Ivy League level and we can't possibly understand what they're doing. And in reality, I'm not sure it was that sophisticated. It was just, okay, we can go. We're going to go. I guess we got to act like we care and then we're going to go and we don't care if they hate us. We're doubling in the franchise's value. Fuck them. It might just be that simple. Um, let's see. Uh, this is for me. Maybe for you, too. Can you do a Lisa Ann podcast? All the bullshit she may have had to go through in porn. The other half fantasy football since the time is coming. Just a suggestion. Uh, thank you, sir, for your program. You, Doug, Cat Plowsy, Iggy, and Gangster Pete make my day every day. I look forward to hearing you guys every morning. That comes from Jeff. Uh, yeah, and now, now I'm feeling like I may have answered this question, which scares me. Because I feel like I've talked about the possibilities of interviewing adult stars on here and how when we had one sponsor for a brief time, the sponsor said, listen, love what you do. It's not like we're prude, but just for the brand that we're attached to, uh, it wouldn't be good if you're interviewing porn stars. And I said, I get it. I don't have a problem with that. I appreciate setting the parameters in advance. And I don't care if I really don't care if one now this that sponsor is no longer with us um you can do deductive reasoning and figure out who it was. it's i'm just i'm not i'm not naming it just because it's not I, there's not really sour grapes it's business but i also don't feel like i need to like call them out and hold them accountable because it's business i don't really you know it's a national monster company um so it's it's neither here nor there but that those are the rules they set and they became the title sponsor for a brief time large amount of money especially for something that um you know it was at the time when we started talking I'm like three months old um and so that just kind of set the tone uh, but I I don't have a problem at all people sometimes feel like they have to apologize for it like I really don't like or I don't get the porn star stuff or, I don't get the porn stuff and I get that you don't have to apologize for that I, that it's it's to each their own um So, you know, with with regard to Lisa Ann, you know, for those of you who have heard her on TMA or those of you who who have met her, perhaps, at our golf tournaments, you know, I love, love the fact that I think initially... When people heard Lisa Ann's going to be on the show, like before her first ever appearance, they're like, oh God, this is going to be the porn star interview with somebody you know who's been up for four days and can't put two sentences together and going to giggle the whole time. And then she comes on and all of us in the studio, and I, I know from the text inbox from the listeners, their, their reaction is, this is the most intelligent football conversation I've heard on this show because her knowledge is so deep on fantasy football, and therefore that translates to, um, you know, for fantasy football players, captivating conversation. And she also is an adult film star. And as people have gotten to know her, for example, her um, efforts in in helping to raise money for Larry Nickel a couple of months ago, and then, you know, like women, you know, um, who may oftentimes be like, I want nothing to do with uh, a porn star... Like, oh, yeah, you know, I met her at the golf. She's just just a nice, regular person who happens to have sex on film for a living. And I realize some people go, well that's a pretty big deal. Well, I guess, you know, but I mean, it's like it, it's like demonized, you know? And it's just like, yeah, they can just be human beings, and sometimes they're good ones, and sometimes they're bad ones, just like, say, the financial industry or the legal profession or sports talk radio, you know? But there's this shame that is applied to it uh, that that somehow they have to be on the outskirts and we can't possibly associate with them. And so, um, as I've said, I think I've said it, you know, I don't know, maybe I haven't said it. I know I've said it in conversations, but I, I, if anything, it's like I want through the conversations that I guess it's more on the podcast than it is on the radio show, but to... Open people's, to unlearn in some capacity. And not even to say that then come to my side, but just to review the thought process of some things that essentially I think are are dogma that, in my opinion, are harmful. um, Such as, like, you say a word and you're dead. You know, like, if this were terrestrial radio and I said, fuck, 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 I'd be dead. You know, that would be it. And it's like, I don't know if I could get hired again for something that like, and then we sit there and go, okay, Tim just said, fuck, fuck, fuck on the podcast. And it had, it, it's like a, it's like a nothing. But yet, if this were radio, it could end my career, which to me is just ridiculous. Um, you know, it, it. it Something as simple as that, but I'm just telling. you, Though those are those are the rules, you know, with the FCC rules. Are. Like if I was on the radio and I said that, people would go nuts, not because they'd personally be offended, because like, oh my god, you know. And they do the the popcorn gifts and be like, all right, this is going to be great entertainment. We can watch a career burn and the social media reaction, and you know, kill time at work. Um, another one is, you know, if if you're pro pornography or pro sexuality um, or pro sex worker, that you have to be some kind of you know, deviant and you have to be in case it be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure about all these supposed rules. doesn't seem like it's necessarily working for a lot of people. So, you know, like Caden Cross at this point, I've known her for a decade. She's like a buddy. It's not like, I'm like, Oh, Caden's my, my side piece. I mean, she's married or I don't know. She's in a long-term relationship. I can never figure it out. It seems like one minute it's this or then I have no idea. And I'm sure as hell like I'm not going to text her and say, Hey, what's the deal? But she's with Manuel Ferrara, who's a performer. They have a child together. My wife has met, you know, has known Caden as long as I have, in addition to uh, we've met Manuel and their daughter. You know, it's like they're just human beings who are in that industry. Um, who else? I feel like there's another one. That's, oh, obviously Lisa Ann, We was talking about earlier. And then also one can be agnostic or atheist and also be a decent human being and this is, I think I'm more delving into things that I was, and I don't want to, this isn't like I'm blaming parents or my parents or anything like that. It also comes from schooling. I mean, I went to a Catholic school, not to say, it was a great experience, by the way, St. Gabriel's my God, for as much as I talk about my grade school, uh, and St. Louis U High, Jesuit education, the Catholic school, it's more about environmentally we're told things that as we grow up, at least I think, go, hold on a second. Maybe that's not necessarily true, and I've been acting this way about this, and it's kind of it's bullshit. And so that, that is my prequel to answering Lisa on the podcast. I'm personally all for it. And, and knowing the advertisers we have now on the podcast, I know they wouldn't care hell, she's on the radio once a week and she comes to our events and she's helped raise money for charities for us. Um, But as far as adult film stars across the board, where you're talking about some things, you know, it could have an impact. Not necessarily on advertising, although I suppose that's in play. Not the advertisers we have right now, but you're always trying to grow your business. Um, But uh, potentially on guests who would come on the show, although I don't think that's the case, I think at this point, again, this is I think. I think at this point people are like, I don't know what the hell's going on with this guy, but it seems like he's been around now at this point for 20 years and, you know, whatever. He talks porn and is a heathen, but d- d- people listen. So, you know, you're not, you're not going to be taken down by appearing on the show um, because that stuff did exist early on like i can 't go on that show because they talk about this or that, and when they mean they they mean me, so that's so that so I guess I suppose I've made progress in, the, in 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 my little missions that really in the whole scheme of things are my own personal missions that in reality will likely have zero impact on society, but it's something I 'm cognizant of Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McCurden show without him, we don 't have a podcast, so make sure you're supporting our sponsor. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, Uh, Jeff, great email. I wound up going on and on and on forever about it. Here's a, here's one that I think a few people are wondering about. I don't know if I answered it, but we're a month, well, not a month, a few weeks since he sent it in, June 25th. Admit it, you can't get into baseball after that run, referring to Stanley Cup. Uh, you're a playoff hockey fan, and after that run, you're spoiled. 2-1 count on Fowler, bottom of the sixth down, four runs. Baseball is so boring. Fuck, I used to bleed red. That is all. You're the best, Tim. Uh, that is from uh, Mike. And I know I must have talked about this because somebody was tweeting about the fact that I was saying how my love for baseball has changed. Um, and I and so I'll revisit it here. We're at the all star break as I'm talking about this stuff. The all star game is tonight. Uh, I, I, I have I, I have I, I woke up this morning I'm like, is it tonight or is it tomorrow? And actually, I'm not even 100 percent sure. I'm pretty sure that it's tonight. It's Tuesday, and then usually they have a Wednesday off. Some have Thursday off. Almost all of them have Thursday off. I think the Astros and the Rangers play, and then everybody's back to it on Friday. Um, so uh, I, I have zero interest in watching the All-Star game, zero. I love that it does not impact home field advantage in the World Series anymore. That was my pet peeve in sports for a number of years when that bullshit started up. Um, but I just don't care and uh and and that's a, that's an all-star game discussion you know regarding i think interleague play lessened it i think the fact that you can see almost every single game now um and other teams and other markets whereas it, it was like oh my god in 1997 the St. Louis Cardinals were playing the Cleveland Indians now it's like oh the Cardinals are playing the Indians maybe they should play the Indians every year because at this point the novelty is obviously worn off um But baseball in general, at this moment, I am bored by it. Um, But I would tell you this, at this time last year, I was bored by it, and the Blues were not coming off of a Stanley Cup run. So I don't think that the two are necessarily, uh, that it's a cause and effect. Um, And even in 2015, when the Cardinals won 100 games, and I remember saying this, um i just was like i don't really feel like they're a championship team they just had this ridiculous starting pitching so my point is it's it's going on now five years um the thing is is that the 2006 cardinals and the 2011 cardinals and also the 2019 blues none of them look like championship teams at this particular point in their respective championship campaigns so it's a, it's a weird spot because here in St. Louis, the last three world championships have all come from teams that no one thought was going to win a world championship more than halfway through the season. Um, so I don't know if the Cardinals got, but last year when they did get ridiculously hot, I was just like, what is going on? You know? Um, and I didn't necessarily buy in and get all that excited. I don't know. I don't know if it's the home run strikeout thing. I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm going to put it this way. I know this. If we want to have the hockey part of the discussion, I will be watching Blues regular season games at a at a rate that will be 10 times more than how much regular season hockey I watched every year my my previous, however, 30-plus years of watching sports. I assure you of that. Now, it's not going to change my opinion that the NHL regular season has absolutely as little impact of any of the four professional leagues on determining a champion. Um, And while that might be unpopular, that's that's not that that opinion is going to change. You just got to be one of the top eight teams in your conference and then get in and, and see what the hell happens. But we can say this. The Blues were the best team over the final four months of the regular season. And so that did carry over. Um, but you can also point to the Tampa Bay Lightning and how great they were, and they didn't win a game in the playoffs. So uh, I'll just be watching it for entertainment purposes. That's, That's what it'll get down to. I'll be watching it for entertainment purposes. I mean, the world has changed in St. Louis sports, and by that I mean it's not the Cardinals are down and the Blues are up, and therefore that's the way it will be. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are now generations, plural, of people who will be locked in To the Blues in October when the vast majority of those people didn't give a shit, like myself, in previous Octobers. They were watching ideally the Cardinals in the playoffs, college football, NFL football, and oh yeah, the Blues are opening up the season and you know, he's a sound bite, and then they fuck around for a few months and then you start paying attention in January. That is over. That is over, and that might be over for decades. Um And so it's a great thing because I I just I what I really wish is that the the game could grow uh, nationally throughout the U.S. It's obviously huge in Canada nationally like it has and will be growing here in St. Louis, because I think it would be an incredible thing for sports. I just I don't know. I mean, it took the it took the two months of like just snorting the greatest cocaine every other night while the Blues were playing these 26 games. For me to get to a point where I'm like, I can't wait to watch regular season hockey, even though I know it's essentially an exhibition. Um, I wish that I wish that could happen nationally, so everybody would be into it. But for whatever reason, it 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 hasn't happened. I don't know. I'm sure plenty of people have their theories as to why. But um, you know, it's like the NBA was killing it until Magic and Bird arrived. Uh, and now that's in a different world. So maybe it can happen. And I would love it if it did happen because it is a great game played and managed and coached and owned by some really, really quality people. Uh, greetings, Tim. I like this one. I remember this one. This was sent on July 3rd. Greetings, Tim. Do you have any particular quote first world problems that particularly irk you? Mine is overzealous automatic flushers on public toilets. Like, right as you sit on the can, the sensor goes off and boom, your undercarriage gets an unnecessary baptism. Your thoughts? That's from Debs. Wonderful. Like this kind of question. Um, I know I have to because I'm so fucked up. Um, and it's like, let's narrow them down and give you the best ones. I, the, the fact that I don't like to drive is odd i can't again it's it's really like a therapy we didn't just need to have a therapist come in and, and answer these things um i just know that i don't really like driving but then again you know my wife and i went down to uh Husi, which is a uh, golf course in cape gerardo this past weekend and it was we were we weren't even gone 24 hours and it was 24 of the best hours I have had, and I don't know how long. And when and we went with another couple, uh, Billy and Missy Shacklady, for the record, because I'm sure people are going, who oh, who was it? Billy and Missy Shacklady. You might know them from uh fan page. Uh, Billy's a golfer, a good golfer. I am a middling golfer. And, uh, and um, stated uh, they have cabins on the property. And, and the reason I bring it up is, you would think, you know, Cape Girardeau being, I don't know, an hour and a half away, and me hating to drive, and it's, you know, all due respect, it's Cape Girardeau and not Las Vegas, where historically we've been on 4th of July, or Hilton Head, that we were at Hilton, Hilton, Hilton Head last year, I'm usually playing in the World Series of Poker over the last 11 years at this time of year. So I've gone from Las Vegas to Cape Girardeau, but I loved it and I think one of the reasons I loved it was when we got there and Billy and Missy hadn't even got there yet um, I'm walking around I'm like there's no one around and it's this world class practice facility range uh, short game area and then I hadn't even been on the course yet and then the cottages were nice and I'm so fucking weird that I have to stay in nice places not because I of money because I this thing developed you know, 18, 19 years ago, and I didn't have much money then. And it's not like I got a bunch of money now, but I know what the perception is, so whatever. I have to play inside of these perceptions as opposed to realities. But either way, you know, growing up, my mom not getting on planes uh, because she was pregnant with me and was on a flight with a bomb scare, and that was a, a bomb threat, and that was it. I'm sure a lot of you can go, okay, well, I get that. Sucks for my dad, they're driving everywhere, and and they they spend a lot of time in Hilton Head over the course of the year, and it's, my dad's driving, that's rough, Um, but either way, the family drove for our family vacations, and you know, I have two brothers, and I have a younger sister, and I mean, you just look back, and we're staying at like, you know, take your pick of whatever, but as you can imagine, it's not like we were staying at the Four Seasons on our travels to South Carolina, and I was fine with it. Didn't think anything of it. Loved the trips. It was great. It's what, at that time, my sister was is uh, 13 years younger than me. So uh, she wasn't around for uh, almost all the family vacations that I went on. But, it, you know, it's a bunch of people in one hotel room. And it's not like it was exactly, you know, again, four seasons. So then I, start, then I started KMOV in 2000. And it's not because KMOV was putting me up there. It's just the, the situation. The, the Blues and the Rams and the Cardinals are obviously staying at Four Seasons and Ritz-Carlton's. And now here I am at 23 years old, and, and I get my own room for union rules, uh, talent union rules. It nothing to do with me. But here I am at 23 years old, and I'm, I'm now swimming in the deep end. Um, and that's where we're staying. And once you do that, and you obviously have some fucked up things going on, so I'm the perfect storm, I, I, I can I go back? Yes, but I have this really strange anxiety about it. And then once I get there, I'm completely fine. It's it's. Listen, I wish I wasn't like I trust me. It's I don't I'm not like, yeah, And you should be this way, too. When it comes to the porn thing, questioning dogma, I, I think it's healthy. What I'm talking about here that that's my deal unhealthy. Wish I didn't have it, but it is it's it's my thing. And this is our little uh, this is our little corner of the podcast world, and so I'm coming clean on it. Um, and so, getting to Dalhousie, and then the, the cottages, cabins, villas I have no idea. Either way, really nice, not like extravagant, but just rock solid. And it's like they're like like a fifteen to twenty five second walk from the driving range. I mean, shit, it's the greatest. Then you get on the golf course, and the thing is just. So nice. I don't know what else I can even compare it to that I've played, and that's not to say it's the greatest course I've ever played. I'm not saying it's it's not. I'm just saying it's it's I, in St. Louis. There's just really nothing. I guess like maybe persimmon, maybe if I'm making like a stretch, just because there you just don't have this type of thing in St. Louis. Either way, place is incredible, but it, the thing that I loved about it most is there was nobody around. So I've become that guy, like it used to be like a running joke that David Letterman would like retreat to Montana, you know, and like sit in a cabin. And so I think the Larry Sanders Show, one of my favorite shows ever, if not my favorite show. Uh, so I think kind of parodying David Letterman, Larry had a time where he would just retreat to like a cabin. I think it was in Montana, uh, and and I I never ever. Would have thought. Here I am, guy who can't wait to get to Las Vegas. uh, Would want to like get somewhere and like have nobody around. But my wife and I were in heaven. Holy shit, we loved it. I mean, we loved it. God, what I mean, I'm just telling you. Go down there if you're a golfer. You know, if you know it, you know it. You know what I'm saying. If you don't, take the take the take the drive down 55. And, you know, I I went to school at Missouri, so I've obviously gone back and forth from Columbia a billion times, and I've covered Missouri athletics, so I've been back and forth. You know, usually I-64 turns into Highway 40 and then I-70. And I just feel like the drive to Cape is super easy. I mean, you get on 55, and you you get off, and I think you're at Dalhousie within, like, God, a high-end five minutes after you get off the interstate. Um, so it's pretty easy drive, and I enjoyed that. But when I'm driving on, like, Manchester or just at the rare times I'm driving outside of my little three-mile bubble, I hate it. I I really do, and I don't know why. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. Again, another thing that I would include in the, uh, the therapist session, no idea why. I just know I hate it. When the internet is not working, first, word, first world problem tilts me. Although now that's really been mitigated by, um, you know, obviously phones or if you have you a know, wireless card, it's, it's kind of a nothing now. But back in the day when I was playing poker, not that far back, uh, if you're in the middle of, the ha- of a hand or a tournament and your internet goes down, I mean, you're just fucked. So that one would put me on tilt. Still goes on, still go on tilt, like like with like your television service going out uh, when it's not weather related, because the, the weather related. Oh, well, that's just part of the deal. When it just goes out for no reason, tilt, and it's just like oh, like I'm sure like if I were to hear this and even like tomorrow, but you know, twenty or thirty years from now, I go, God, fuck you. But they uh, Debs, you asked the question, I'm giving you the answer. All right, I've been in the emails and I haven't gotten to let's see this guy. Uh, I'll go one more. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows, but cares. Again, plenty of people who can know, but cares. and Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314- Eight eight nine zero five zero three. 0503, that's three one four eight eight nine zero five zero three. or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year that this is a first class person who has your best interests at heart. And just calling him at 314 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies 314 889 0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com com Tim this might be extreme but I've never seen this country so divided or hateful simple things like empathy aren't even agreeable do you think this country is headed for a second civil war if not what can be changed seems like the toothpaste is out of the bottle thanks that's from John um, It's like this is I could do a whole podcast on this and I was just like gonna exit the inbox and then I did this uh, do I think the country is headed toward a second civil war no um, do I think that this is going to get worse before it gets better? Yes. Now I'm, um, like talking in Kevin Demoff language cause that used to be what he used to say. Uh, and I guess, you know what, now that we look back on it, he was not lying. Um, but I don't, I don't see a second civil war. Um, in, in, in what we think of when we think of the Civil War, you know, the blue and the gray, the north and the south, the Union, the Confederacy, you know, brother against brother, Mason-Dixon line, all of these things, and of course, the centerpiece being slavery. I mean, I just don't see anything like that. I think you could make a case that we're already in a cold Civil War. Um, I mean, look, at, I mean, I stumbled into it when, when the question was asked, who would your dream guest be? And I said... I could say Barack Obama, but then that pisses off Donald Trump people, and I could say Donald Trump, but then that would piss off Barack Obama people, and it's really just more about its president. So that's that's my my answer. And then I go, hey, does anybody love Barack Obama and love Donald Trump? Is it even possible? Like for real? I mean, there has there. I guess there has to. But I'm I'm, talking. And I am somebody with this is now, now. I'm going to play into it. But somebody who's like, let me let me try to narrow the the, the sample size. Somebody, and, and this, and by the way, I'm now excluding myself. But someone with a college degree, okay? I don't have one. So I'm, talking, I'm not talking about somebody who just like sits on social media and just is like, you know, wants to say they love Donald Trump. I really don't know if that's possible. I really, I and I'm not saying because you can't possibly, I just, I don't, because of what the question here, John's question, I do feel like people have lined up on sides. I mean, look what just happened with the World Cup. You had Americans cheering against the Americans because they felt like the women were being un-American. And the self-awareness level of cheering against the Americans and that, I think, would li- literally, by definition, be un-American, but they're cheering against the Americans because they perceive them to be un-American. But in reality, they simply, or Megan Rapino in particular, spoke out against Donald Trump, but then that was labeled un-American. Wow. I don't know, man. But I don't think that we're headed toward a civil war. At the same time, like, I th- I, I, here's one thing I'll, I'll say. I think that there is a perception from those who will not be voting for Donald Trump, and I think that includes some Republicans and, of course, the vast majority of Democrats and then people who would be independent. And I think amongst that voter pool, I think— <laughs> that there is a perception that if Donald Trump loses in November of 2020, that, quote-unquote, this all goes away, end quote. And I just don't necessarily think that's the case. Like, I don't think that, like, there's, like, this end zone, this finish line in November 2020. It just doesn't—it's not like— a huge portion of the American population just goes, oh, I guess we were wrong. That's not the way that it will work. So I say that because I don't think that this is just suddenly going to get better. And I mean, you know, it's one of those things, and and maybe I'm off on this, but I do feel pretty, I do feel, feel, I feel I'm, of course, I mean, who says shit that they don't think is right. But I, I acknowledge that it's not fact based. It's it's experience based and it's intuitive. But so often and I can't cite the example because then I'm getting into a you know a specific person not anybody anybody would know, but you know, uh, an experience I had where where someone brought something up in a conversation that was clearly from Fox News. I mean it just it it just it just it had all of the, you know all of the signature elements of it. And this is a wonderful person who said this, and it was just in a casual conversation, and for you know the people involved who heard this, you know, we just kind of, you know, whatever, just you know, we didn't go, hold on a second, what are you saying? You know, it's just kind of like, oh, really? You know, just like cause I don't engage, but it's like here's a here's a really good human being who you know watched something that you know was what it was and and then really thought it was like a real thing and 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 I say this not because it's like I am superior intellectually I'm saying it because I feel like the biggest issue not the biggest but a big issue that we have at this moment is You do have people who essentially, I don't even know if it's Republican Democrats, they're pro-Trump, they're anti-Trump. And for a number of those people on either side, they view the other side as being the enemy and full of bad people. And the thing that I say so often regarding this situation is, I mean, some of the people who are closest to me in my life voted for Donald Trump. And they're close to me because I think very highly of them and their character, and I and I feel like there's uh, they' like like people like I, I couldn't possibly uh, be friends with or I couldn't possibly go out with someone who voted for take your pick Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump, and and I'm just like that's just not the way, you know things things were, and I don't think it's going to change. And I don't, I, and again, it's one of those things I'm just observing, but I, I think that, again, it's not going to lead to necessarily a civil war where the country breaks up, but um, I don't think it's going away. I don't know if it'll go away in my lifetime, actually. I don't know. I'll tell you what, and I and I hate that this is what I think, but what's what's probably going, it's going to take, but, I, but I, I think it probably would be temporary. I guess it depends on the magnitude, but what it probably would take would be a tragedy to bring the country together, which sucks. But, you know, and it's, it might be difficult, especially I know a lot of you are, you know, younger than me, and you might not even remember it, or if you do, I mean, hell, I barely was paying attention uh, in 2000, and then early 2001, Bush v. Gore. I mean, the country was divided and I was barely paying attention, but I was old enough to be paying attention. I just wasn't paying attention at the time. Um and then what happened? September eleventh came and George Bush's approval rating, you know, skyrocketed and the country is united. And here's, you know, a guy who by the time he left office was detested in New York City, but on September, I guess it was October of 2001, he throws out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium in the World Series, and he it roars, and he throws this perfect strike, and it means the world to people. You know, I mean, Donald Trump would not be throwing out a pitch at the World Series at this point. It would, you know, uh, but in 2009 at the All Star Game, I remember Barack Obama. You know, he's what four months into his administration, five months into his administration. It didn't. I didn't even think anything. I'm like, oh, it'll be cool to see the president. That's all I really thought. And he comes out there in his White Sox jacket and the mom jeans. And he, they announce him, and he gets booed. And I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Where, where did that come from? Because five years earlier, George W. Bush threw, threw out the first pitch at Bush Stadium. I'm virtually certain of this. It was 2004. It uh, would certainly makes sense, 2004 election year. Missouri, at the time, was up for grabs. Totally different ballgame now. But at the time, only 15 years ago, it was a purple state. And and he was cheered wildly. And even though I knew I would not be voting for him, even though I voted for him in 2000, I would not be voting for him in 2004, based on the Iraq War, for the record, uh, that I still stood and applauded as a president. But five years later, the president got booed. Same, same, same city, not same ballpark. Same city. I was like, whoa, what happened? And I don't know. Some people might be going, well, dude, one's a Republican. Think of the Cardinal fan base. And one's a Democrat. I don't know. I just know it did happen. I guess. I don't know. I mean, listen, we know this isn't going to happen. But if Donald Trump came out and threw out the first pitch before a Cardinal game, what do you think would happen? And I guess, honestly, what's my right? I think he'd probably get cheered loudly. What do I think would happen if he went and threw out the first pitch in LA before a Dodger game? I think he'd be booed wildly. I don't know. None of this matters. I'm having a conversation with myself while looking at my refrigerator. Maybe we'll rename the podcast that. So I don't know. I don't know. So maybe it is a civil war. But it's a civil war of, like, densely populated areas, you know, um, and on the coast more so, although there are obviously ex- exceptions. But – uh i i don't i mean the the civil war that that one would be talking about would be more news and information not people fighting on battlefields but i just don't think it's going to i just don't think it's going to go away let me put it that way and no matter what i say no matter what no matter what donald trump is not out of or is out of office in in uh you know in what five years uh but even if he is voted out in November 2020, I would imagine you will have people crying. Five is it'll be a whole thing. I just it's. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. And it's amazing how quickly it has changed. Holy shit. Um, you know, but that, that that's that's where it is. I just don't think it's going away. I do, but I don't think it's going to be a civil war. I just don't think it's going to be away. But yeah, I think the country's divided. I don't, I don't. I don't. I have. Like I said, the only thing that I think brings it back together. It's not that I want it. I just think that is is a tragedy. And even then, I you know I don't know it it would be temporary. You know because by the time two thousand three rolled around, George W. Bush's approval rating was was going down with what happened with Iraq. Some people loved it, some people hated it, but the country was divided on it. Not divided like this, though. All right, I, I've been on on the email. I gotta go uh, to uh, to my uh, to my good friends on the TMA fan page, where some wonderful questions were asked, and see what we got here. You have to cook one meal to perfection to save your life. What are you cooking? I am not a good cook um i barbecue it's fine i have my moments but it's you know for for the juice squeeze analytic i can drive to pappy's or salt and smoke or you know one of the great places we have in st louis and and that that's that's my that's my that's my squeeze And the juice is an incredible product as opposed to my squeeze of going out and buying, preparing, attempting to cook it properly, attempting to grill it, smoke it, barbecue it properly, not knowing that I will. And that's an, you know, hours upon hours, most likely process. It just seems pretty easy that the move is to not do it unless you're just like, oh, I'm going to barbecue burgers and bratwurst and it's going to be tough to fuck those up. So it's a good question, Patrick. I just don't I don't have a great answer. Um, so I guess if you're saying to save my life, one where I, I I feel confident I'm going to cook it to perfection, give me a taco night. I can do a taco night. It's a horrible answer, but it's an honest answer. A taco, taco night. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a firsthand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy. I've got a lady, I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James have been been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800. Or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on on something or I'd forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just... It's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, Hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me. And I go, it's James Carlton here. Let me include him on the, on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like, I'm like, Oh yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, Oh God, I hope he does. Okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What is most important to the St. Louis sports scene going forward? Cardinals getting back to the postseason form, MLS team, local college teams, Mizzou, SLU, Illinois basketball football improvement consistent postseason appearances and why it's a good question it's a good question um the cardinal situation is is my answer uh this mls team thing i just listen if if st louis doesn't get an mls team i'm going to be like a target because i've been saying for months like into 2018 that this is happening and this is just a, a, a little show and leverage and whatever and it's just it, it, it it's almost, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I really don't know. It just, it's, it's, I don't know what to say outside of it's a little exhausting uh, in the sense that we have to pretend like this isn't going to happen. And then we have to pretend like it's this huge accomplishment when it does happen. And, and I am thrilled that it's going to happen, but I feel like if you have a checkbook, you get a team, so I don't necessarily feel like this is a, going to be a great civic accomplishment, and I'm, I guess maybe what I'm dreading is knowing it's coming and knowing I'm going to be the guy that's going to get attacked because I'm not going to be waving my city of St. Louis flag the day that it does happen, um, because I feel like the MLS's business model is expansion fees. So... I'm thrilled for St. Louis. I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I can't wait to take my son to games. But I don't think like this is a sign that we're making progress as a city. I think there are other things that are signs that we're making progress as a city. The startup climate uh, would be one. The um, building up of areas, not necessarily downtown. It doesn't have to be downtown. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think it necessarily leads to um, people wanting to move here, but I think it opens up natives and residents' eyes to the possibility that hey, you just had one of the best golf tournaments ever in the last year, and you just saw the hockey team win a Stanley Cup. Um, so I, I so I do th- see things. I did, this one is a positive. I just don't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily view it as this incredible accomplishment that I think it's going to be portrayed as because I think if if you know, I wanted to move a team to Kirkwood, and I had the money, I could have done it. I, that's that's my premise, um, and I hope the MLS becomes a huge thing. And I think I think actually, by the way, I think the business model on the MLS is sustained through expansion fees for the time being, and then ideally become part of what you have going on with the Champions League. Um, eventually I think that's I think and then that you have the television fees and that and then you got something that people are going to be excited about that's what I think I could and I could be completely wrong on this but I just try to figure out the whole thing like for the life of me um I'm 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 trying to figure out the deal but I I, but this is coming as by the way a big soccer fan you know it's another it's like oh I'm trying to tell if he's a Democrat or Republican fuck I have no idea what the hell I am I'm kind of nauseated across the board but um But as far as uh, pro soccer, anti soccer, 100% pro soccer, 100% pro soccer. I love the game. I like watching the game. Um, And I'm looking forward to watching my son play the game, assuming he's going to play it. What I'm not pro is like jerking ourselves off like we had this big uh, landmark move forward for our region by getting an MLS team. So I hope people understand what I'm trying to lay out as a. Is the difference there because I know that that can be um, people can be hypersensitive on it, uh, but if I don't convey it properly, then maybe I deserve the hypersensitivity. So that's why I'm trying trying to do it. The Cardinal, thing is, the Cardinal thing is, I don't want to say it's always going to be number one because I don't think the Cardinals were number one in 2000 when the Rams won the Super Bowl, and I don't think the Cardinals are number one right now when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. But as far as what's going to move the needle, it's the Cardinals and whether they're, it's really bad or really good. The weird spot is the Cardinals have just been kind of this middle of the road, not really bad, even though la- around here it's getting labeled as really bad, middle of the road team, including this season. You have three and a half seasons of this now, 16, 17, 18, and half of 19. And I wanted to see them sell in 2016 at the trade deadline. And I wanted to see them sell in 2017 at the trade deadline. And I wanted to see them sell in 2018 at the trade deadline. And when they traded Tommy Pham at 10 in the morning on the day of the trade deadline last year, I thought they were finally going to do so. And I'm like, God, what are the chances of having it three years in a row? Well, fuck, now we have four years in a row. I don't know, man. And, you know, it's one thing for it to happen in 2016 when you're coming off of four straight NLCSs followed by a 100-win season, you know, and in, those, in that NLCS run you had a world championship and a pennant, you know, and you lost to the Giants in 12-14, and 14, but you got there. Uh, you can't, how can you complain about that? Or you can go, well, oh, with a different situation, they would have won more World Series. I would understand that. I'm with you on that if you're thinking that way. In 17, it's kind of like, all right, what's going on here? And then in 18, I think at this point, people are like, okay, so it's, it's, it's got to be Matheny. Well, then Matheny gets fired. And now it's 19, and you're like, okay, what the hell is going on here? And I think some people are like, I got to fire John Mazalok. And, 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 and maybe that's the direction the organization eventually is going to take. I'm telling you this, I would be shocked if they fired John Mazzaloc in in the month of July. I don't really expect him to get fired after the season. And I know some people are like, you got to be kidding me. The media in this town is soft. And I'm not saying it because I don't think it should or I don't think he shouldn't. I'm just telling you what I think is the case. But at the same time, the night Mike Matheny was fired it was like a Saturday night. I happened to be sitting in my basement with my wife watching TV, and I got the email from the Cardinals, and I didn't even see it on Twitter. I, I think I was the first person to tweet it, actually. And normally I'm, I totally avoid that shit, except I had the release from the Cardinals. And uh, it, it came out of nowhere, and I was legitimately surprised by it. So it's not like I got a good track record of gauging this stuff. I just don't think that they will do it. But they are in a spot here, man. They're in a spot. They're in a spot because they actually have real competition from the Blues. The Blues take a different approach. The perception is the Blues take a different approach. Let me put it that way. And I think that perception has a lot of truth to it. Uh, And they also have been this middling team, boring middling team, for now, this would be three and a half seasons. thing is, and and then also, by the way, some of these guys are free agents after the year, specifically Ozuna. Um, But then the other side of it is, they really have committed a lot of dollars that are on the books for next year. And you go, oh God, I'm not really excited that these guys are on the books next year. And the the message before the season is we are, you know, we are focused on this year for the first time as opposed to just like sustained competitive baseball. We are focused on this year. Okay, all right, the Blues just won the Stanley Cup. You're playing boring baseball, you can't score runs despite a lineup that looks pretty damn good on paper. Then you look at the statistics and you say it's not a very good lineup for whatever reason, there's certainly room for improvement across the board. I don't know who's playing above what you would expect them to be at this particular moment. But you said you were committed to 2019. Okay, the trade deadline is coming. Even though the team is playing boring, bad baseball for the most part, they're just a couple games out of first place. So what do you do? Can you have another year where you sit on your hands at the deadline? Fuck. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't know what to tell them to do. Because I don't feel like it's not that they're asking, but I don't. I don't feel like it's a case where they're one player away. It's not like you're going, shit. If they could just get the bullpen right, you're going okay, well, fine. Ten to the bullpen. If you really feel like that's an issue, what about the rotation and what about the offense? Ten to the offense. Okay. What about the rotation? It's just, and and, and do they have the depth of prospects now to do this? So it's a it's a. Sp- Spot man, it's a spot, and I really don't know what they are going to do, and I'm not sure what they should do. You know, the last three Julys have been like they should sell. I understand why they probably won't, but they should sell. But they were within a couple of games of the division or the wild card each year. This year, they're there again. God, I don't know. It's not like I, unlike those years where you looked around, and you go, yeah, this team's really good, this team's really good, this year I'm like, shit, I think there's only a couple teams that have more wins, like, by a decent margin than the Cardinals do. At the same time, there are only a couple teams that have more losses than the Cardinals do by a decent margin. It's just a log jam. Now, if the Cardinals are in the NL West or the NL East, I think the mindset would be a hell of a lot different around here. But because they're in the National League Central, And because they are two games out of first place, even though they're 500, people are, you know, going, God, they got to go all in. They got to get Madison Bumgarner. Uh, I mean, the Rockies are are essentially what the Cardinals are. They're 44 and 45. Cardinals are 44 and and 44. The Rockies are 14 and a half games out of first place. The Cardinals are two games out of first place. That gives you an idea of what, what what I'm getting at here. The Angels... Are essentially what the Cardinals are, a 500 team. They're 12 and a half games out of first place. The Angels are a game under 500. The White Sox, about what the Cardinals are. They're two games under 500. They're 12 and a half games out of first place. It's just they're in this division and it's a weird spot. The best, from my standpoint, is if they haven't done it in the DeWitt era, would be that either they just go on a tear the first couple of weeks after the All-Star break, or they fall apart the first couple of weeks after the All-Star break. But even then, I just don't see Bill DeWitt authorizing in the final couple of years of Yadier Molina, and the final year, possibly, of Adam Wainwright, just going, okay, tear it down. And I'm not necessarily saying it has to be, like, torn down to the Cubs or Astros levels. I'm just saying it just I know this is this is not anything anything i am used to as a cardinal fan where i'm just like oh they're on i guess i got to watch it I really don't want to and i think other people feel that way so man i'm telling you they are in a spot all right let me get to some other ones here answering dms on facebook and then I scroll back down. Uh, let's see. More DMs on Facebook. Uh, let's see. What are your personal feelings about college athletics being in the journalism school? I assume you got a firsthand look at the good, bad, and ugly of college athletics. Do you think the athletes should be compensated beyond scholarships? Uh, Yes, I do to answer that question, and the first part is I love watching college football. Couldn't care much less about college basketball, even at this point, the NCAA tournament. uh, I don't know if that changes if Missouri or St. Louis U in particular to an extent. Illinois has a great regular season. If I would then be more interested, I imagine I would, of course, be more interested, but as I said about Missouri playing Florida State in the first round uh, two seasons ago, I, I really was ready to go to bed. I, I didn't even want to stay up to watch it, um, and it was a late, late start, and we were in Florida, so you know it was even later. But it's just like whatever, you know. I mean, I'm just a college basketball. I'm just so love college football. As far as what it is, it's professional sports. I, you know, I it's it's professional sports. It's professional sports clouded under this bullshit that so I, you know. I don't know. People have asked, and I think it actually pops up here later in this thread, about now that the Blues have won the Cup, what is the uh, thing that I want to see next? And honestly, you know, the answer is Missouri winning the national championship in football, but it won't won't compare to the Blues winning the Stanley Cup or my emotions during Cardinal runs before they finally won another one in 2006. It just won't. Because those are grinding months of in the Stanley Cup playoffs case two months in the baseball a month and it's every other night and it is you know the football I love I love college football love it but it just you know it's 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 you know those three hours will be intense or I guess with college football those five hours will be intense but uh, it's not the week after week after week after week. It's At the same time, some of the funnest part is the anticipation. And I loved being at the SEC Championship in 2013. A little different in 2014. It was cool to see Missouri play Alabama, but you knew they weren't playing for anything. I mean, they fucking lost to Indiana year, earlier in the year. Um, 2013, uh, that was like a national championship semifinal if things broke their way. And to be there and Missouri had a legitimate chance, could have won that game, maybe should have won that game. That was great. But I, I it's 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 not something that would um envelop St. Louis like the Blues and Cardinals do and recently of course the Blues did um so the the answer honestly is you know it it's just it's, it's, it's it, you know i think the boxes have been checked i mean the us world cup win you know my son getting to experience this stuff and experiencing with him, the stuff that I've already experienced, that's the stuff that I think stands out to me. And I bet some of you probably hear that and go, yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I think about now, um, more so than my personal experiences. But, yeah, college athletics. I mean, it's, you know, at that level, it's just, you know. I mean, if anybody really is, like, holding on to these guys, these are some great student athletes. And it's not because – I don't necessarily view it as their fault. I mean, they're, these, are, these are factories, And, you know, and people's jobs and millions of dollars are online based on how the factories churn out the athletes and how those athletes perform. So I I can't even attempt to con myself into going, yeah, and you know, what's a great thing is they graduated 95%. It's like, oh, did they? Really? Okay. I mean, I guess they may have, by definition, graduated 95%, but... Okay, I mean, you know. And I guess the other, I I love college football, as I was saying, but sometimes college fan, and this isn't limited to to anything locally, it's across the board, it it makes me more uncomfortable than pro sports fan. And I don't know what that's about. But I felt this way before social media. It's It's a, it's something that makes me uncomfortable. And I don't think it's the age thing. It's like the lack of reason thing. And the, you're the antichrist if you're not on my, on, you know, my team side. It's a, it's a weird thing. I'm uncomfortable with it. All right, I got I to gotta wrap it up. I got to wrap it up. What do we got? Oh, let's see. Um, this is a good one because it's not really a question, but it's a thought, and I'm sure it kind of along the lines of the, the parenting thing that I just made reference to. Uh, you mentioned in a previous QFTA that you imagine your son wearing a professional soccer jersey as a fan. Uh, to be clear, you're European. I would imagine that is likely. Uh, I'm pushing 49. I have two sons, 15, 12. So we're sort of experiencing the same things as a parent relative to our kids' age. What I'm discovering is that their lives are so drastically different than ours growing up. Our childhoods were relatively similar to our fathers and they had to their fathers. I can't imagine that's true, but it, maybe it is. I think maybe mine to my father's might be but I can't imagine my, my dad's to his. I just can't imagine. I mean, you're talking about World War II and World War One. I. I don't know. Uh, technology has progressed so rapidly, though it might as well be uh, 2,119, not 2019. Neither of our sons care to watch anything but eSports. Thankfully, my youngest plays baseball, basketball, and recently soccer, so I get the experience of watching him play, playing catch on occasion, etc. There's still kids where sports are their life, but it seems to be the minority. This isn't a question, of course, but thought I would give you something to think about. Thanks for all that you do. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm aware of that. Um, Aware of it, of course, more as an observer, not not living it. Um, And it's a case-by-case thing. You know, I... I recall having a conversation with Skip Berkmeyer, who is one of the best amateur golfers in St. Louis and those who are in that world, and I realize there's not a lot of people, but they know his name. Um, and just, we were bullshit. We played together one time, and I said, when did you start playing? I'm just curious, because <clears throat> I'm interrupting some Marco Rubio moment. I need to get a beverage. <clears> Ham. <throat> all right. Uh, I said, uh, you know, because most of these guys you see it on tour, there are exceptions, but most of them have been playing since, like, they were, like, six or seven. And he said, yeah, I started probably at two. And I go, oh, two, even better. And he goes, but my mom was, and his mom was, one of the best, like, Missouri amateur players ever. Um, you know, and so, it's, I, if my son gets into something, I, I you know, I know, it might sound, oh, well, wait and see, but I mean, my, my reaction is, I'm going to support it, even if I'm not necessarily personally into it. Again, I think, I do think, the, I, I kind of, the age thing on the parenting thing, it kind of, I, I feel like it's like, um, like I, when, when Anna Marie got pregnant in 2016, I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm 40. I'm like, fuck, we've been trying to have a kid for, for, what, five, six years, and we haven't been able to. So these are the cards we were dealt and it was not our choice per se and it's a weird thing that like people kind of get and I, I don't want to overstate it like a lot of people are you know I if you could say you could go back and have your child at 22 I go no thank you not interested but that's me and I'm sure plenty of you did have kids maybe even before then and god bless and my guess is you made it work um so it's this way but you don't know people's circumstances um in our case we wanted to have one when i was what 34 i guess but uh it didn't work out that way we thought we couldn't have a child so you know we were thrilled we have been able to have one we'd love to have another but if it doesn't happen fuck we feel like we've run incredibly good considering the math we were told um so you know i have a at this point a what 22 month old and i'm 42 and i love it and and you know i mean you know I, I see things, and I guess maybe I'm able to do things with him that I certainly wouldn't have been able to do in my 20s, and I might not have wanted to do. And it just so happens, and I don't know why, but he loves golf. But I am very careful to not be like, okay, now I need to try to create the next Justin Thomas here, you know, if he winds up not like, and you're going, well, how the fuck do you know he loves golf? Well, you know, like when I'm done with this, God only knows when I'll be done with this. I just babble on. Uh, I, I take him up to like family golf and he runs around with a putter and he putts and he's, you know, that he started doing this at one and a half. Uh, and my wife got him like these little like plastic clubs. And I wouldn't be surprised if I hear it because I'm in the basement and I hear it upstairs and he starts just whacking the ball like a hockey stick and he chases it around and he hammers the thing and. And he putts, and it's just nuts to me, but it's great because it's something I enjoy doing with him. But if he were up there, like like I would imagine those of you who are parents of sons, it sounds like this is standard shit. I knew nothing about it, but now I, of course, do. The truck obsession that goes on for a couple of years, and I never even thought about it. As you can imagine, that's not necessarily my bag, but for whatever reason— Boys at this age, they just want to look at trucks and trains and cars. And it's not something I'm like, oh, sweet, it's a, it's an excavator. Or look, it's a digger. I don't know, but I know he likes it, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm reading about it. So that's where I am. I happen to like golf. He happens to love running around. You know, I've thrown him wiffle balls, and uh, he does like when I go in the backyard and hit balls up on the roof. Um, but uh, kick kickballs that that hasn't stuck at this point um and we watch you know like i said we watch tiger chip in uh, in augusta in 2005 on 16 have to be around a thousand times now at this point well here it comes oh my goodness Oh, wow! There it is. I think I'm on the right pacing of Vern Lundquist. I've watched it so many times. And then the fireworks going off over Alan Craig's shoulder when he's being interviewed by Ken Rosenthal following the Cardinals winning the 2011 World Series. Now, obviously, those are things that are near and dear to me, but then he calls for them. Fireworks. That means to watch Game 7 of the 2011 World Series. Tiger. Tiger. He wants to watch Tiger chip in. And then he got into the top 10 Tiger Woods shots that are on YouTube, and so he watched that. And at first, it's like this is the greatest thing in the world. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to watch Tiger's shot at the memorial again. Oh, look, there's Ricky Fowler. I find new things because I'm watching the same thing over over. Look at that blade of grass, you know? But, but you all can who have children in this age range can relate to it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't think, I don't think, that I will be demonizing esports or whatever it is by the time he's 10, 11, 12, the way that I think my parents and maybe some parents demonize gaming right now or did demonize gaming then, not to say everybody did, um, but it's a different deal. It's part of that culture, part of young people, you know, culture. And And I loved it at the time when I was coming up. And I just, I don't, I don't know. And I'm, I maybe and I'm saying this, maybe I'll change my mind on it, but um, I just I think I think one what I want and what I would imagine what most of you want for your children is happiness. Now maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you're like, no, I need a, you know my son to be a daughter to be a doctor. I have no idea. I want to see my son or daughter be a you know president or something. I have no idea. I don't know. I just know that in my 42 years, what I have learned here over the last however many is that when it all gets down to it, because I always go back to time and the, and the balance of time and how that is absolutely decreasing. Uh, the financial may increase, it may decrease, but we know the time is decreasing. And therefore, enjoy it. I just don't think I'm going to be, if I get there, lying on my deathbed or at a nursing home going, God. I really wish I would have stayed at KMOV and done something I hated so I could be on television and make another, you know, whatever. Not like it was all that much, with all due respect. Uh, Because I didn't like it, you know. uh, uh, You know, or I wish I would have gone into law school as opposed to, you know, pursuing that which it is that I wanted to pursue, which was find something you love and find someone to pay you to do it that's it. But when you do that, you're now going to be in a spot where there's a lot of people who want to do it. So, you know, at this moment on the timeline of my parenting, which is most likely way behind a good number of yours. Uh, and so you can look at me and look down at me and say, you you say this now, but you have no idea what it'll be. And you're right. You're a hundred percent right on that. Um, but I just, I I truly, I want his happiness. I want him to be happy. Like right now, he is the happiest guy going, which is fucked up considering how bizarre I am. But he is. It's a great reflection on his mother and uh, both of his sets of grandparents. Um, But he's so happy. And that's what I want. I want him to be happy. I don't want him to go through the shit that I've gone through career-wise, like the public stuff. I don't want that for him. Uh, but I want him to do something that makes him happy. Cause that's to me, that's the name of the game. Like, like you pursue money for happiness. So, you know, if if eSports is what blows his hair back, and by the way, he has wonderful hair, again, leading that I think maybe for like our 1,000th episode, we need to do Amari Povich here. But uh, the... That that that's that's where it is now. I I I get that the, the poster here it wasn't like complaining about it, but just like making the observation, like it's just a different deal. Um, and yeah, that may be the case. And you know, the golf thing might not necessarily be the best thing, because it in order to be really good at it, it requires kind of a unique personality trait. It's a personality trait that I have, not that I'm good at it, but that I am just kind of a self-motivated individual. Like, I can be out of the range and be in heaven, like I was telling you earlier about Dalhousie. I loved just sitting. I'm like, oh, my God, I have this practice facility, and there's nobody around. I have my ear pods in, and this is the, again, yeah, I'm sweating my balls off, but this is the greatest thing ever. I love it. You know, poker, same deal. In order to be good, at the time, you had to read. Now, you can watch Twitch, but when I started, you know, it was reading. And you're obviously sitting at a poker table alone with your thoughts. You're fighting the battle by yourself. You're making your skill plays and you're making your luck plays, and, but you're doing it by yourself. But that's what I liked. Um, so, you know, if, if, if he's into that, he's into that. If he's not into that, and that's cool with me too, and again, it's not like you're saying, you need to be careful. I realize what you're saying. You're just making an observation that the game has changed. And I get it, even though I get it more from an account standpoint as, as opposed to an experience standpoint. But I'm cool with that. Um, because, I, you know, I just, I, you know, anytime, anytime you're doing something you love and then, and then an authority figure in your life is telling you it's wrong and you're going, but I don't get why it's wrong. That's a, that's a tough thing. kind of goes back to my dogma thing earlier. You're like, but nobody's getting hurt, and I'm having fun, and I'm not risking my health. Like, it's like, but then it's like, then you can, like, go into, oh, but are you, are you, is sitting in front of a television, or is sitting in front of a laptop, is sitting in front of an iPad, is that really good for you? I don't know. I don't necessarily know, know if it's bad for you. I know that there'll be people throw studies at me. and I'm not, and listen, I, I don't do it, but I'm just not sure. So. I don't know. I mean, I'm telling you this, this, this he's, he's watching trucks on his little device, whatever the hell it is. It's not an iPad and it's not a laptop. It's Anna Marie got him something and he can watch YouTube on it. I'm sure you might know the title. I have no clue. All I know is he wants my laptop and I got to make sure browsers is closed out. That's what I need to do. But he's watching truck videos. That's what's going on. And he loves it. And it, in, in, in every piece of apparel he wears has a truck on it. Dump truck, fire truck, he'll wear pajama bottoms as long as the truck's there. I will go up to the golf course here maybe in a little bit, and there's a good chance he will be on the putting green running around but in pajama bottoms with a truck shirt on. That's that's probably where we're heading. But I love it. I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love it. Can't get enough of it. All right, that's a good place to wrap it up here. Uh, What did I go? Almost an hour and 30. How about that just sitting here talking to the refrigerator man i got some fucking stuff going on don't i just sitting here talking by myself but you provided the questions and i'm very grateful for it and i hope you enjoyed questions from the audience if you if you if you went 90 minutes you had to have uh you can always email questions team McKernan at insidestl.com. uh we've had some great guests man especially if you're still on the high from the blues run craig baruby Bobby Plager this week, young page views coming up next week. That's a good one. That's random as hell. As you might not be surprised to hear, Cam jumps in on it. Um, so that's coming your way. Uh, so we've it's a, it's a, it's been a good good run here for the podcast, and we've got more coming um in addition so feedback's always welcome your questions are always welcome team recurrent inside stl.com thank you to the sponsors the ryan kelly mark hanna evergreen wealth strategies at evergreenstl.com james carlton the carlton state farm insurance agency three one four nine six one forty eight hundred, design air heating and cooling seth gold and design air heating and cooling online at designairservice.com the number one train dealer in the midwest and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Chevy, find new roads. They are at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit online at landoff.com. Thank you, as always, for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network.